a lot of people think that if they spend a lot, they will be very happy. That's not really true. A lot of time it's the simple things like when you talk to your child, you have this special, you're so happy, or you achieve something, you are very happy. But when it comes to material, a lot of time it can only last for a while and that's it. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my Great to Wealth listeners. Today, we're going to be talking to Chin Chin from Singapore. Chin Chin, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Well, thanks. I know it's pretty late where you are. We're recording this at 10 a.m. Eastern, so essentially it's at 10 p.m. in Singapore, correct? Yes. Thank you for staying up so late. I'm super excited about this conversation. We were catching up just before the conversation as well. I think our values, our interests are very aligned, which is all about enabling people to live a life they want, which is personal freedom, right? It's all about that and how to use finances to enable that, right? So Chin Chin, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I think this, my audience is going to really benefit from that. So thank you for taking the time. And Good let's, me here. well, thank you. Let's kick it off. So Chin Chin, help us understand, like, you know, no one grows up as a child thinking that they're going to help people gain freedom. So how did you get to do what you get to do right now? What was your migration story? Oh, that's true. Okay, I started as a technopreneur for about 20 years. So I started my first company when I was 21. And then that was the during the dot-com boom. And then we have the mobile apps revolution. So I built applications for a while. But actually when I discovered Ethereum about seven years ago, that's when I realized that maybe it's time for me to change my course. So I start to do some investment. And then I realized that, yeah, it's, it's quite good. My timing was good, I guess. But what happened was I wasn't really happy, even though I have time and I'm making decent money, but I was still worried and I was still insecure. So I realized that no matter how much money I make, right. And you know, crypto fluctuates a lot. I wasn't happy and I was aimless. So imagine when I'm young, I'm told to earn money, buy a car, buy a house, you know, and then you'll be happy. And then it happened and I'm still aimless and not happy at all. Right. But the good thing is after that, I start to write books to teach my nephew on what is blockchain and what is Bitcoin, things like that. Mm. Because I think kids can learn better. I began to study more on financial literacy. And then as I study a lot and I talk to people who have reached financial independence, I realized that it's not about how much money you have, but how you manage your money. Mm-hmm. What's the relationship you have with your money? And then how you calculate whether you have enough for retirement. Then you'll right. feel at ease. Got uh, that's when I have this revelation like, oh, okay, that's the formula. And the point is we should just buy back our freedom first. And then work becomes an optional item because you need to spend time and effort on passive income. Once you have that right, you, have, you buy back your freedom. Then you can do things that you love. Right? So your right. active income has to be something that you really enjoy. Then you feel happy about it. I love that story, Chin. Thank you for sharing that. Isn't that interesting though? And I'm assuming you have a lot of clients that you're helping with right now. Their journey is similar. One is that freedom seems to be the ultimate goal, but somehow we forget about it, right? Somehow yes. we get into that rat race of, 
oh, let me buy a bigger house, let me buy a better <laughs> car, let me move to a location where the expenses are up through wazoo and it's crazy, let me just increase my expenses, which is going to force me to make more income, which is going to keep this wheel going, and until you retire at the age 62, 75, whatever that age is, and then you really have nothing left in your body to help you enjoy that freedom. Have you seen that happen when you're talking to your clients, your folks that you're helping with? Yes. So what happens is, you know, there's 25 trillions of dollars of money that was left by, in America, there was a research, right? 25 trillion dollar is left by people because there's this thing called money anxiety because they're worried that they may not have enough to live through their life, right? So right. they some people become frugal and they left with a lot of money and they pass away. Of course, if they pass it to the next generation, it's good. But a lot of people also, can you imagine you work so hard, you get so anxiety, so much anxiety, so much worry, and then you leave the money without enjoying the fruits of labor. Yeah. It's so sad, yeah. right? And so, I mean, previously in our previous generation, my dad's generation, for example, we have been educated to say that you have to work first and you have to work until you're 60 plus and then you enjoy your retirement. But ask yourself, by the time you reach 60, right, do you have the energy to enjoy yeah. retirement? Your energy level will be much more lesser, right? So wouldn't it be better if we can design a life right now in your 20s or 30s or 40s as early as possible? You purposely design the life such that you know that I want to get my freedom first. Mm -hmm. I'm going to invest in assets. I'm not going to spend on luxury goods because you know that if you ask people who are rich, they'll tell you that there's only so much money can buy after a certain threshold level, right? When you get your car, like in my case, I got a house, I got a car. Am I happy? No, I, I wasn't happy. I know people who got so many bags and you know, everything. Shoes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Does it really make you happy? I think you have to spend a lot more time to clean up the bags, to clean up the shoes, yeah. to find the shoe. You have much more anxiety, right? So why do you want to do that? For me, I practice, I try to reduce the things that I have. I only have things that are necessary to me. And then that helps me. I can make decisions faster. I can travel lighter, you know? And then I know that my money is spent on certain things. It's very organized, I can see it. I can predict, yeah. I can see how much money I have and things like that. So that's what I try to get people to think. Don't design for a life whereby you have to work for 40 years that you may or may not like and then perhaps forced to retire, that's even worse. And then yeah. you're not sure if you have enough to survive. If you have designed it right early in your life, right, you know there's a compounding effect for the next 40 years, right? You know you can secure your retirement and right. you can choose to do what you love. Yeah. And it's so interesting. I think it's really happening. All of us are doing, and it's becoming a common theme in a lot of my guests right now, is a common reason why I believe that people are not after freedom is because they're actually not living their life. They're living somebody else's life that has been told to them that you have to make sure you have a five-bedroom house and you have to have a BMW or a Porsche or Ferrari or whatever your car of choice is. And yeah. if you have 20-year-old Toyota Camry, you're poor, right? Or people are not going to look at you a different way. Not that Toyota is a bad or good car. So I'm not bad-mouthing a car company. I'm basically saying that, look at the abstract reasoning where here is that if I don't live a certain life, I am not successful. 
So it's actually yeah. interesting. Uh, my wife and I were talking about it. She showed me some study that they have done, which is, I can't remember his name, but he was talking about how, you know, Indian immigrants in the U.S. are very successful. And we were talking about it. And the question we were asking ourselves, what does success really mean? The only component, unfortunately, he was focusing on this whole thing was how much money they have, right? How much income, actually not even money, how much income they have. So essentially, everyone's working hard, right? To have a lot of money, a lot of success in terms of that, the financial success. But the component they were missing out is who is more happier, right? They didn't ask that question. Who is living a free life, more fulfilled life, doing what they really enjoy doing and successful in all dimensions of life instead of just being successful in one dimension, right? Yeah. So I don't know how Singapore is in that way. I would love to understand. I have not spent much time in Singapore. So is it really the same there as well? Or is it any different? Yes, it's the same. If you ask any kid, right, what do you want to do? Okay, but of course now, if you ask any kid, they'll tell you, I want to be an influencer. I want to right. be a YouTuber. Right. Everybody wants that. Why? Yeah. Oh, because I want to be famous. I want to earn a lot of money. Because you see all the YouTubers are earning a lot of money, right? Yeah. Well, I guess if you can do a topic that you love, that you enjoy, that'll be great. Like recently, I met this 21-year-old. She studied as an accountant, but she loved rock climbing because we rock climb together. So I asked her, so what do you plan to do? She said, oh, well, a rock accountant. I'm like, do you enjoy accounting? She said, I love it, but I don't like the working hours. I know it's going to be super long. So I right. said, well, so why don't you design a life such that you can make it such that it's just a period of time that you're going to be an accountant. In five years or 10 years time, you design the life such that you have a choice to not to be an accountant Correct. and do something that you love. Yeah. Because she's only 21. Her monthly expenses is so low, you know, it's like $1,000. Freedom is much easier when you're younger. Uh. Yeah. So I said, can you design something that you love? For example, yeah. I don't know what to do with accounting, but many aspects of accounting and you're a good rock climber, right? If let's say you enjoy climbing so much, right? And you become an instructor for rock climbing for a while part-time and then you still do your accounting job between right. the two, right? Which is your ideal life end of the day? What kind of life do you want to design? Yeah. You know, I asked a question like that. Then she think, then she said, well, actually I do accounting because I study accountant. So I should be an accountant. Should I said, no, that's be. Yeah. People tell you, right? <laughs> because you score this, you do this. And then. I said, why do you want to lift your, your parents or somebody's expectation? Yeah. You're still young, you know? <clears throat> you should explore while you're young. What do you really love enjoying? And design the life knowing that you know exactly when you can have the option. I don't advocate retirement. I think purely doing nothing is boring for yeah. me. So like, for example, when I ask people, what do you love to do? Oh, I love to travel. I said, well, if you have all the money and all the time to travel, I do you really think you want to travel for every day or not? He said, no lah. I said, yeah, you are saying this because you do not have the opportunity to travel now. Correct. Because you're working all the time. So traveling is like so important. But if you have it all the time, you have this option, would you do it every day? Most probably it's not. So I say, okay, put traveling as something that is on the side. Unless you're sure. telling me you're going to travel and journal and you know that's the yeah. life you want to lead. But that shouldn't be your ultimate. That's not something that you truly enjoy. You don't have it. That's why you want it. Correct. You know? So what is the thing that you really enjoy doing? If you can choose anything you want to do with your life, like for you, you, want, you love to be a podcaster, Right? Somebody may want to be a writer. Actually, I do enjoy creating stuff, 
right? So I do create stuff myself. Like now I'm having this toy project that I have in mind, and I think I should mm -hmm. I should realize it. Then I use my time. I enjoy it, right? Right. So I always want to ask people, what do you really enjoy? Is it that it can be dancing, painting, creating something that you like? What is it? So we explore different aspects. I love that. So I think really, really, basically you're asking the core question that they should have asked long time ago, yeah. which is yes. who you truly are and who you truly enjoy. Unfortunately, the money has become this big behemoth of a mountain that everyone is carrying that until I have $10 million, until I have $100 million, <laughs> until I have a billion dollars, until I have 500, whatever that number is, big or small, doesn't matter. And, and then they forgot that we may die anytime. We may die anytime. <laughs> it's kind of interesting when you say that, right? And a lot of my listeners know the story. My sister actually, who's two years older than me, passed away during COVID, right? And it's when you start thinking about it, that it's important to make plans, grand plans for your life which is fine, right? Because if you don't make a plan, if you don't have a direction, you won't go anywhere. But you also got to live your life. So it's a fine balance yeah. between the two. And, you know, somebody was asking me recently, if, if all you do is investment, when do you live? It's a very valid question, right? So we're not saying that only focus on your assets and stop living. What we're saying is design a life. If you were to take a $20,000 vacation today, and for that $20,000, you have to work 10 extra years in your life of retirement. Is that $20,000 spent necessary today, right? I'm using vacation as an example. It could be a house. It could yes. be a car. It could be anything. Anything that's yeah. not putting money in your pocket. Yeah, you can justify any expense by saying you only live once. What are the concepts in the U.S. they call is YOLO. You only live yeah. once, right? So yeah. the soul, everything is justifiable when you talk about YOLO. But you have to really put a sense of it. Is it really a marketing spin of you only live once or live vicariously through spending crazy amount of money? Or you want to be sensible like ants who are basically saying we're going to store enough food in the summer and spring and so that we're not dying of hunger in winter. But that doesn't yes. mean they're not living their life. They're still living their life. But there's a fine balance between the two to make sure you're architecting your freedom rather than being the victim of your situation. Yes. What are your thoughts on that, Chin Chin? And, also, and also, right, does it mean that when you spend more money, you are happy? No. I mean, think of the times when you are happy, right? Yeah. I don't think so. Most people think about, oh, the, uh, relationship with somebody, or when you are having a really nice meal somewhere that surprised you. Yeah. You know, I was telling my friend that she went to Tibet, eh, no, Nepal, trekking. So she, right. they went to a very rural area, and she told me that, they use fresh spring water from the mountain mm. and then they cook vegetables that they grow themselves. Right. It's so fresh that because it's so fresh, right, it tastes so good, even though it's just very simple Correct. vegetables. Correct. So that experience was so memorable to her. It's like, wow, it's like the best meal. And this is somewhere very rural. You know, it's almost free. So I would say a lot of people think that if they spend a lot, they will be very happy. But we yeah. all know that's not really true, right? A lot of time it's the simple things like when you talk to your child, you have this special conversation, you know, you're so happy, you achieve something, you are very happy. But when it comes to material, a lot of time it can only last for a while and that's it. Money buys you comfort. It doesn't buy you happiness. Security. It buys security. You feel better by having a $100 bill 
$100 in your bank account, right? It gives you that sense of security. But I think tying money to happiness is probably a mental model that we should all work on, including me, right? Because there are moments (laughs) of weaknesses that everyone has where it sometimes becomes, oh, I need this amount of money. Well, you do if you want to go crazy in your lifestyle or if you manage your lifestyle like you were talking about, why can't you design your life now to make sure you're working towards making that life a reality much sooner than 60s or 70s? Because who knows? I always tell folks there are four things, right? You are assuming that you're going to live till 65 or 75. Yeah. You're assuming you're going to be healthy at that point. You're going to assume that somebody's actually going to employ you at that point. And really the fourth thing is, you may hate your life so much that you're mentally not ready to work at all, period. So now what you've yeah. done is you've worked till that point to just be miserable. So what's the point in buying a two, three, four million dollar home? Now, if you love doing that, great. If being that person gives you happiness, true happiness, good, do it, right? I think you and I are not saying everyone should quit their jobs. Yeah. We're not saying that. We're saying do what makes you true happiness. And if it's not giving you true happiness, figure out what's going to give you happiness and design your transition, not at 50, not at 60, not at 70, but design that transition now so that you get there much faster. And also the other big thing is uh, right now we have too much distraction. Yeah. It takes away your thought about what you really enjoy. It's like, even for me, right? Sometimes I watch a show, especially eight episodes, so I really, really, really want to finish it, right? But you ask yourself, I ask myself that, you know, do I want to spend so much time on my yeah. Netflix? You know? Yeah. I mean, once a while I do indulge in that and I feel so good about it. But the problem is I see a lot of kids, right? They are addicted to the phone. Correct. There's no control. Then they get agitated so much. They get angry so much. They don't yeah. have patience at all. I think that's a big problem. So because of the things that they're looking, right? They didn't really think about what do they really enjoy? They're only seeing what other people are doing and that's it. Correct. It's very correct, passive. Correct. I think yeah, I agree. I think that's the world we're coming in because if you don't know about a Netflix TV show, you're crazy. You haven't watched that show. Like my friends always say, I hate watching TV. I love watching movies once in a while, but I don't like watching TV. I'm like, I could sleep. I could go walk. I could talk to somebody. I could learn something in that three, four, eight hours of binge watching. I don't think I've binged the last five years anything, which is great. Thankfully, I'm over it, the binging episode. But I do have friends who are like, where are you living? You don't know about this on Netflix? I'm like, I actually don't. And I'm comfortable saying I don't. Right. I think, but it also becomes the peer pressure that if I don't know about this, if I don't have the latest iPhone, if I don't have the latest app, I'm going to feel left out. It's again, fear of losing out, right? What am I missing out? So it's the two terms I really love and hate, which is the YOLO, which is you only live once and the FOMO, which is fear of missing out. And I think these two are basically corrupting our whole society. Because uh, you can justify everything between those two things that I'm going to do this because everyone is doing it. I'm going to do this because I only live once. It's kind of like, I think that's what's causing our culture. And I would love to have your perspective because you're also working with a lot of younger folks, right? You're not just working with 40, 50, 60 year olds who have actually had a lot of time and money and wisdom along the way. So they may be thinking differently. So I would love to see what are the new 
20 years thinking about money and how thinking about their life because there's a concept that's been promoted that everyone in the new millennial they're all about experiences they're all about impact is it really true when well, you're working with them behind closed <laughs> doors when they're naked in front of you financially and mentally so help us understand that okay for the younger ones right those that are below 30 20 to 30 right even though I thought that would be like the best time, right? But the problem is because life is still too good, especially in Singapore where the parents are earning more yeah. and then the kids are well taken care of, right? Correct. Money is actually the last thing that is on their mind. Most mm. probably many of the Singaporeans, many I would say, because we have a very high middle class in Singapore, even if they don't work, most probably they can live for until they are, Oh, wow. One generation okay. at least, right. most of them. Because, right. of course, there's like a maybe 20, 30% who don't have this privilege. But I would say majority of Singaporeans most probably have. Because I can see all my friends, right? They're all preparing a house for their kid. They all say, the house is getting so expensive. I better buy one for them now. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I always say, what makes you think that your kid cannot be better than you? Correct. 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 <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this assumption is terrible, right? You're preparing yeah. your kid for what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But unfortunately, because most of my our parents' generation are not that rich. So my right. generation, we work really hard. So they don't want their kids to suffer at all. And, you know, things are really expensive. Like my dad bought the first flat, a forum flat for 60000 But 40 years down the road, it's 450000 Oh, place. wow. Huh. Yes. So you see 50, that's 9x, right? Right. Uh, but of course, the house is half the age, right? Left with half the age, yeah. but it has 9x. And did our wow. salary 9x? Obviously, no. Maybe yeah. 2x at the most. Right. So you know the next generation will have a problem. Of course. Probably. Of course. Affordability. Yeah. I think the housing affordability is going to be a problem. But that's an interesting thing that they're already planning for their kids' homes, which I mean, I think it's, yeah. if you have that capital, great. But again, if you're working like a dog to get that house because you're afraid that your kid may not get there, is are you really being happy? What kind of example are you setting for your kids at that point, right? Sadly, some people do advocate, uh, but I have a friend who is really good at it. So she lives in a big house. So she told the kids that mommy have come with nothing and I'm sure you can be better than me. When I'm old, I'm going to sell this house away. I'm going to retire with your dad. And then you have to work your way up. I love that. Course, I mean, of course, behind yeah. the scenes, she may not do it. But that's what basically she's telling them. That's amazing. That yeah, is amazing. She said the bank owns our house. Yeah. The bank owns our house. We still have mortgage. Yeah. And that's really smart. I think that's smart because you're telling the kids that I have a friend who, when he was doing his living trust in the U.S., he basically wrote a clause in there that if my kids cannot show a million dollar in tax returns, they get zero. Whoa. He wrote it in there. Whoa. He's like, they're not going to get any money from my trust because if they're not productive, they're going to waste it anyways. So I might as well give it to charity. True. I love his That's thinking, true. right? I'm pretty yeah. sure they had to fight a battle with his wife to get that included in there. But I like the courage that he showed because he's like, if... I have a lot of money. I mean, the guy is worth 50 to $60 million at that time. This, I'm not talking about five years ago. When I heard it, I'm like, this is an interesting way to look at it because there's so much money sitting in there that maybe that's going to become a more... Hopefully, your kid doesn't need that motivation, but hopefully that becomes a motivation enough 
for them to be productive, right? And that's all you need. Yeah. And once they start making a million dollar, they actually won't even care for the $50 million dollars. Because now they That's know true. how to make money, right? Now they know how to live a life. Now they know how to develop into a human being who could self-create a lot of these things. So they won't care That's about which is what his intention is, that this money shouldn't get them to a way where they're not being productive members of the society, which I think it's a great way, but very few people, I think, do it that way. Very few. Most very of few. us yeah, want to enable our kids. I realize a lot of, I would call them the super rich, they do that. to their kids they do that make right sure that, yeah. yeah that it stays in the generation correct i agree but i agree but sadly so the those in the 30s right below 30s i realized there's no urgency to have it despite mm. the fact that obviously it's if you do it earlier right you can enjoy earlier you'll be a happy life right but because they don't have setback their parents are relatively quite rich i realized right. that they don't really take action as much mm. but when you're in your 30s or 40s right you understand the frustration in working yeah you understand the frustration yeah. in not having the choice correct you are tied down right i think that's when they see there's an urgency to say i have to do something about it correct i think correct. that's the correct. biggest correct. difference correct. i think i yeah. agree with that change and i think sometimes the life's wisdom has to come to you yeah. you can tell people anything they want to tell them but they won't listen until they're ready including me sometimes right if i'm not ready to listen to it you could tell me the world's best intelligence i won't listen which is where the life has to knock you down sometime to yeah. make you realize that there's something beyond that correct and even yeah. for me i mean many years ago when i was young right in my 20s my auntie did remind me my grandmother did remind me too she said there's this uh, chinese saying that the flowers will not bloom forever right what goes up must come down right oh that's beautiful But Did the I flowers will not bloom forever, <laughs> right? You don't even know what that meant. The gravity I mean, I of that know. statement. But you don't have a yeah, life experience at that my, time, right? Correct. And uh, my grandmother is somebody who is not educated at all. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. But she has life yes. wisdom. Yes. Right, correct, which is correct. more important. So, Chin Chin, help us understand like the three steps from, let's say, if somebody is trying to figure their life out, they're trying to gain freedom, What's the framework that you use with your students, with your clients to help them figure it out? Give us the breakdown okay. of the framework. So the first step I will do is I want them to look at their current money patterns. You know, what is your ins and out? What's your net worth? They have to be serious about this, right? I mean, like exactly what to self-discover, what is the numbers telling yourself? What kind of lifestyle right. are you having? Right? right. The second thing I always ask them is, okay, now tell me when you retire, right? What kind of retirement are you talking about? If you have all the time you have, what will you be doing? Then they'll tell me about their hobbies, what they enjoy. They will think about, yeah, before I start to work, what do I really love to do? If I can don't right. work, what will I be doing right now? Correct. I think that's the most important part. What kind of house will you be staying? You know, what kind of design the retirement that you have in mind. Then we work yeah. out the numbers again. Yeah. So, When you retire, right, even if you're married, most probably your kids will be grown up, you'll be with your spouse, or will you get married in the first place or not? Then how much is your, most probably your mortgage may be paid off, depending on when they target to retire to. Then what is the thing that they love to do? So you work out the numbers to know exactly how much they need as a form of passive income that they will need to have to secure this life. 
in Singapore, the good thing is we have this thing called CPF. I think in America, it's called 401k, is it? 401k. Whereby yep. you, yeah, you have like kind of pension. So correct. Singapore is similar. Correct. For example, if you have about $250,000 in the CPF fund, you will have about $2,000 every month when you reach the after 55. Got it. So that gives you an amount that you can work for. That will be your first goal, for example. Yeah. Or you can be you feel that I want to do this business and I'll be really happy if I can do this and whatever. We, then we calculate the numbers. We find out what is the gap. If you want to do this business, who do you need to meet? What skills do you need to have? What do you need to do? Then you come up with a schedule exactly how to reach there. I mean, if you're not mm -hmm. doing it, right, obviously you're not going to reach it. If you're Correct. not saving your funds for retirement, obviously you're not going to have it. And I train them on what is passive income. So the numbers, right? So first you discover what you love. Right. The second part is the biggest part is looking at the numbers and designing the life that you have. How much is it that will need it? You know, okay. then the third part will be execution because that's when you feel that it's difficult and things like that. But for the execution, I break it to small parts because if you see that, okay, let's say we take the 4% rule that is very common. If your expense by the time you retire it is, let's say, $3,000, you know, your CPF covers. $1,000, you're left with $2,000, right? So you need to cover that amount. 2,000 times, uh, divide by times 300 times 4% rule, right? You need $600,000 in a fund that yields 4%, for example, to cover yeah. $2,000 for you. Then you yeah. know, okay, this is the amount I'm going to have. I know when I reach there, okay, I can more or less more relax. Right. But in the meantime, that's $600,000 for some people seems to be a huge number to reach. Correct. It may even be Correct. impossible. Correct. So what I told them is, you don't have to look for the 600000 now. It can be something you can work upon. But intermediate way to see it is, the first goal, I call it my security fund. People like to call it emergency fund. I think it sounds so bad. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're telling yourself something that bad's going to happen. Fund. Yeah. Yeah. So I call it the security fund. It's six months. So six times three is 18000 If you have $18,000 in your bank, you know that, okay, if I lost a job now, my monthly expense is this amount, right? Okay, I right. can survive for six months. And then you work on, I call it my freeway fund, whereby if I have 24 months of my current expense, let's say it's 24 times 3,000, right? I think $72,000. Mm -hmm. I know that the next two years, I can work on things that I love Correct. to build $3,000 a month if I can. Right. Right. Then can you imagine the next two years you can transform? Because when you do things that you love, of course, you will do it better. Of course. You will course. put a lot of passion yeah. into it. Right. You don't even feel like you're working Correct. because you enjoy it. Yeah. And then by filling the gaps on the skills, the network and all this, right? Then obviously, the chance of them achieving it will be much better. And of course, uh, because I was a technopreneur, so I came up with an app for them to track their passive income and their essential. Love that. Love that. Yeah. So that they know that when they want to spend, right, they know that, okay, this is a luxury item. Do yeah. I want to spend it now or spend it later when I achieve my goal? At least when you achieve your second goal, right? Okay. You want to give yourself some breathing time, right? You can do that. Yeah. Correct. 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 I love that, Chin Chin. So I think I'm going to put it in my own words. The three steps that we're talking about is really get um, visualize the life you want to live, self-discovery. The second step is architect it, design it. Yeah. So what design kind of, how you're going to get there. And the third step is really execution, right? Yes. So discover, architect, execute is really a simple three-step process. And in the discover, you're talking about discovering yourself, 
what do you like to do? Forget about any yeah. constraint for now, right? And then you'll figure out if your family and everything else, you bring that constraint in. When you're talking about the architect, how you're going to design what given your current life, what are the next steps you would need to take? And then execution is really you execute and track and monitor and sort of measure and change as needed, right? Yeah. So I, I love that. It's such a simple process, right? I love that simplicity of your process. So thank you for designing it and sharing with us. Chinchin, what do you see the challenges in that framework when you're working with your clients? Where do you see the um, breakdown predominantly? Is it because they haven't really spent time in discovering or they haven't done a proper execution or they haven't architected it? Where do you see the gaps? The first step, yeah, the first step is the most difficult because yeah. a lot of people really don't know much about their finance. Yeah. The first part of uh, self-discovery on the finance, right? Taking all the like statements together, putting it together will already yeah. take up some time because I mean, most people broke, not because they don't earn money. It's because they never think about how they spend money. Correct. Or did they spend on things that are necessary most of the time? Or right. a lot of people have this bad habit of just saving, 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 and then they, oh, holiday, psh, that's it. They right. spend all the money. Correct. Yeah. So discovery is a painful state. Once you can pass the discovery state, right? Then when you design, it's enjoyable because you're seeing that, okay, there's a chance, yeah. there's a possibility. That's the enjoyable part. Then when it comes to execution, once they pass the first goal, the second goal is the challenging part. Because yeah. when you need to execute a plan to do things that you love, there's a lot of gaps. Some people may give up. That's what I can say. So how do you keep them on track? I create mini gaps for them. You know the five-second rule? The challenge to do something big, right, is to how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? One bite at a time. The goal is too far away. It's difficult. But when you can see small right. progresses, that's when it happens. Then they say, oh, I'm making changes. Okay, yeah. I can see myself mm. changing and it's possible. Awesome. Well, Chinchin, this has been a delightful conversation. Thank you. I don't want to take too much of your time because I know it's getting late. So we're going to go coming towards the end of our show here. Chinchin, what is... If you go back to your 20-year-old self, your 19-year-old self, what's one advice you'll give that 20-year-old self to make their migration in life more intentional? Wow. If I can really look at my life, right? When I was 21, I would have told myself, buy assets first. Mm. That's like so important. If I were yeah. compounded then, it'd be so different now. And design oh, the life that I live. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And Chinchin, where do you feel the humanity as a whole needs to migrate? I think we should migrate to happiness instead of money. You know, yeah. money is a tool for you to gain happiness and freedom. Right. For me, freedom is most important. I don't like to right. be entrapped. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and I share the same goal of free being free. So I appreciate you being on the show here. Chin Chin, if somebody wants to know about the work you do, get in touch with you, where can they find you? They can find me on my website, newchinchin.coach. Newchinchin.coach. I didn't know dot yeah, coaches were available as a domain. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so new is my surname. How do you spell that? N-U. New, N-E-W. N-E-W, new or like new. Okay, new Chin yeah, Chin, I like love new. that. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, Chin Chin, thank you again for being with us on the show here. Thank you for carving out your night because I'm pretty sure you have a lot more other important things to do at 10 p.m. than being on the show. But we really appreciate you sharing your insights with us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.